Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Matthew chapter 7 verses 28 and 29. These are the very last verses in chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew's summing up of all that has gone before. And it concerns really the crowds and their reaction to Jesus. It's a kind of transition between the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus's practice and ministry afterwards. So let's have a look at them. Matthew 7 verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Father God, as we look at these verses and take a look at Jesus, we pray that we might be as astonished as the crowds, as dumbfounded as they are. Amen. A.W. Towser wrote that the most important thing about anyone is what they think of God. And of course, from a logical point of view, that would be true. If God is the most powerful, the greatest sum of everything that can be imagined or thought of, then yes, as we think of God, we are thinking of the greatest, the best, the, the, the most wonderful thing. And so, of course, that would be the most important thing about us. I agree with him. But I want to change just one word. The most important thing about us is what we think of Jesus In this passage, we see what the crowds made of him. Jesus has been teaching and preaching the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus finished these sayings, when Jesus had opened his heart and he has spoken to them, the crowds were astonished. That word could easily be translated dumbfounded lost for words, absolutely shocked at the depth of his teaching, the quality of his teaching, the things that he said, the way he has taught. And of course, for centuries, people have been astonished with this teaching. I remember hearing Nicky Gumbel say that in all areas of science, technology, society, The human race in the last 2,000 years has developed and has grown. But in the area of morality, nothing has topped the Sermon on the Mount. Love your neighbour as yourself. Pray for those who persecute you. Not serving two masters, just serving one giving up your cloak if it's asked, walking an extra mile, turning the other cheek. Blessed are the poor, not the strong. It's the peacemakers who are most like God, not those charismatic people that demand a following of thousands. 
sense. No one has ever topped the Sermon on the Mount. Stanley Jones, the great missionary to India, says that he would have Hindus come to him. A Hindu professor once said, uh, the Jesus of dogma, I, I do not understand, but the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount and the Cross, I love and I'm drawn to. Similarly, uh, a Muslim Sufi teacher told him when he read the Sermon on the Mount, he could not keep back the tears. For hundreds of years, this sermon has grabbed people and made them astonished, dumbfounded. The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. Authority is a really interesting word. Uh, you know, I used to be a police officer. I had authority. I could arrest people in the name of the law. I had that authority. If I said you are under arrest and I went through the right procedure, that person was under arrest until they were released. They had lost their liberty. They had lost their freedom. And I had the authority to do that because it had been given to me by a justice of the peace and a chief constable on behalf of the queen. So I had these powers, this authority. The people listening to Jesus' teaching recognize that he has power. He had authority. His words were not the words of the scribes. He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The scribes had authority from their learning, from the books they had read, from their years devoted to scholarly research, from studying the Torah and the teachings of the rabbis and passing it on. And, and they had that kind of teaching. But Jesus had a different kind of authority. It wasn't the authority of the scribes. What was this authority? Well, this authority was because he spoke of what he knew. What he knew firsthand. It wasn't book smarts. It wasn't research smarts. As he said to Nicodemus, I teach what I know. I speak of what I've seen. No one can know heaven. No one can know the kingdom of heaven except the one who has come from heaven. I know. I've seen it. I've touched it. I've beheld a world where there's justice. I know a place where there is no sin. I know of a world where lust doesn't operate, where anger doesn't take root, where bitterness is not a thing. And I speak of what I know, of what I've seen, of what I've touched. 
I know this. Jesus is the most amazing teacher that has ever walked on the earth because he knew what he was saying. He hadn't learned what he was saying. I want us to think a little bit about Jesus, the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount today, and just think about him, meditate on him. I want to lift him up as I can to, to, to show him to you, demonstrate something about him. The very name Jesus is a beautiful name, Yeshua, or as we might say in English, Joshua. In fact, when, when Jesus stood in the Jordan, he, he wasn't the first Yeshua to stand there. Joshua, the, the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua had stood in the Jordan and crossed into the promised land. Jesus, whose name means Yahweh saves or God to the rescue, is this one. His very name is about God's rescue. You may have heard that Jesus is sometimes called Jesus Christ. Now, that's not a surname. My name is Andrew Caldwell. Jesus' surname wasn't Christ. It was a title. It, it meant anointed. It, it's really the Greek way or the Western way uh, of saying Messiah, anointed one. Uh, and Messiah was an idea that, that finds its depths a thousand years before he comes in the idea of the son of David, a ruler who would sit on the throne of King David, who would bring freedom and hope and righteousness and goodness to the nation of Israel. And so whenever anyone called him Jesus Christ, they were saying, you are the son of David. You are the anointed king. You are the expected king. You are the hope of Israel. Isn't that beautiful? And there are so many similarities between Jesus and David. Andrew Wilson has written them down. Like David, Jesus was an unlikely hero from an unflattering background who had been announced to be king by God's prophet. That would be John the Baptist. And Andrew Wilson says, just like Samuel, who anointed and announced David, he'd been born to a woman who struggled to have children and only gave birth after a priestly encounter in the temple. Like David, Jesus had been persecuted by the existing ruler. Jesus was persecuted by Herod, David by Saul. As a result, like David, he had wandered the countryside, keeping a low profile with his tiny band of loyal followers before entering Jerusalem to be hailed by the crowds. Like David, he had then conquered Israel's enemies which for Jesus were Satan, sin, 
and death. Not the Romans. Once and for all, he defeated them. And he had been publicly vindicated through his resurrection. The result, Andrew Wilson says, was that the worship of of Yahweh, of Almighty God, had gone far farther and the nation of Israel grown far larger than ever it did under David. This, the disciples realized, is what the word Christ really meant. A king like King David but so much more. Jesus didn't often call himself Jesus Christ. More often than not, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. This was a really interesting phrase. We find it in the Old Testament in a few places. One of God's prophets, Ezekiel, was often called by God the Son of Man. And so when Jesus takes this name upon himself, he's calling himself a prophet like Ezekiel, calling out the truth, saying this is what it's like according to God. But actually, it's so much more too. In the book of Daniel, there is a vision where Daniel sees one like a son of man standing with the Ancient of Days. This is an image, this is appearing behind the curtain in heaven and seeing God, the Ancient of Days, and one with him, equal on a throne, like a son of man. This one who ascends into heaven, equal with God. It's an incredible image. In fact, when he is questioned by the high priest and they ask him, you know, who are you? Are you the son of God? He says, yes, and you shall see the son of man sending on the clouds of heaven. The Jewish leaders rip their garments It, for them, was worse than him calling himself the Son of God. In calling himself the Son of Man, he was taking on this godly, divine nature, this expected one who would ascend from the clouds of heaven. And they called it blasphemy. They went crazy, absolutely crazy, because there was one other place in the Old Testament we see this idea of a son of man. And that's in the furnace where King Nebuchadnezzar has placed three men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, because they refuse to bow down. And so he throws them into this fiery furnace, so hot that the guards who open the door die on the spot. And these three men are thrown in. And when they look, when they look expecting to see these men ablaze in the furnace, they see a fourth man looking like a son of man. 
Jesus Christ. Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the king. He was seen as a king. As he entered into Jerusalem, they saw him as a king, a a coming king. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. He was a king. He was also a priest. In Psalm 110, there, there is this looking forward to Messiah, the Christ, And there they use the language of the priesthood, not of Levi, not of Aaron, not of Israel, but the priesthood of Melchizedek. This older, more glorious priesthood, this priesthood that Abraham himself had bowed down to, Melchizedek. And they said of Jesus that he is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. No wonder he had authority. His name means God to the rescue. His name Christ was his title, that he was a son of David, that he was anointed, the son of man. He was a prophet. He was with the ancient of days. He was the one in the fiery furnace. The Bible talks of him in other ways too. And people then talked of him in other ways. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Passover Lamb. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. But that's not all the names of this one. For this one who taught with authority had another name. After his resurrection, he appeared to a 10 of his disciples. Judas had committed suicide. Thomas, for fear of the Jews, was in hiding. And the disciples told him, we have seen Jesus. He is not dead. He is alive. And Thomas said, unless I can put my my fingers in the holes in his hand and in his side. I I can't believe. Thomas is often called the doubter because of this. Well, Jesus appeared. He appeared again. And this time he appeared to all 11 of the remaining disciples. He turned to Thomas. And although he hadn't been present physically with the conversation that Thomas had had with the others, he knew. And he turned to Thomas and he said, Thomas, there you are. You can place your fingers in the holes in my hand. Thomas fell down on his knees. And worship this one, saying, my Lord and my God. His name, Jesus, means God to the rescue. His title, Christ, 
means Messiah, anointed King of David. He was prophet. He was priest in the order of Melchizedek. He was almighty God. No wonder when he taught, it wasn't like a scribe or a preacher or a professor or a politician. God himself spoke. God himself came near. C.S. Lewis says this in mere Christianity. I'm trying here, as am I, to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and can call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So I'd ask you today, who do you think Jesus was? Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.